Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. Throughout scripture, there is much talk about work. God, our beloved creator, has not only given us work to do, but the Spirit has equipped us for the work to be done. And even further beyond that, the divine in creating us knows the deepest desires of our hearts and has placed before us a silver platter of individually selected work for each of us to do. That in such specialized work, acting upon it fulfills our hearts as equally as it blesses those for which the work is done, culminating in the growing of the kingdom of God. Scripture has many things to say about this work. To just list a few, Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Proverbs 16.3, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And again, our sermon series theme for us, Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The common theme I see in these verses and many of the many other verses that talk about work is this. Do for God. Do in love. Scripture is the story of God's people. A collection of stories about people and communities trying to capture their experiences with God. Through the stories passed down through the ages, 
New readers are invited to explore how God has invited people to discover the gifts of ministry that belong to them. Scripture offers a unique opportunity for each person to engage in the unearthing of God-given talents and skills that they have to offer. Throughout our whole lives, we have the opportunity to discover our gifts of ministry. As we listen attentively to God's call and affirmation, identify our own passions, gifts, and skills, and participate in community where gifts are celebrated and shared, our gifts shape the unique ministry we have. As we serve God and God's people, the process of discovery may involve prayer, community, scripture, nature, solitude, silence, and openness to the gentle nudging of the Spirit. We may be surprised by the Spirit as well and discover new and unexpected gifts along our journey. In the scriptures today, we read how there are many jobs to be done in God's kingdom. We read how the work that we do helps build others to grow in their likeness of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. In doing work, in doing the work God has called them to do, apostles would help grow other apostles. Prophets would help build other prophets. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers would help build up other evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Growing up from a very young age, go ahead and change the next slide. My grandfather built in me a love of gardening. Many, many summer hours were spent out in the yard with Grandpa as he taught us exactly how he wanted his yard to be attended to. Go ahead and change the next slide. Being that my grandfather was such a lover of gardening, he had many, many, many tools in his, in his shed, in his garage, they were filled from ceiling to floor with cabinets and racks of tools. And as years gone by, as jobs became needed, he would show us the use of all these many tools and what each and every one of them did. Go ahead and change the next slide. So, one year, my grandfather purchased one of those zero-radius turn lawnmowers. You know, the one that you steer by going like this? Well, this was the lawnmower that came after that. And let me tell you why. So they had this very large tree on the north side of the lawn that was split into a V. And in the center of that V was such a large root that it inclined from the bed of the grass up to the trunk of that tree. Well, if he was not paying attention well enough and still learning that how just the, the rightness of the turning of those handlebars of that zero turn radius lawnmower, many, many times 
he took that lawnmower and ramped it right up the tree so that lawnmower was facing straight up. Sometimes he fell off, sometimes he stayed on and pulled it back. But it happened so many times that that lawnmower only lasted probably two-thirds of a summer season. And this lawnmower here was the next one to arrive after that. It was much easier for him to operate. So I share this silly story because that tool was not the best tool for him. So he went and found a tool that worked perfectly for him, that was a right fit for him. That, and I think he was terrified of us being the ones that rode that lawnmower up the tree, even though I do believe we had a better handle on that than he did, but anyway. So let me share you another, another uh, section of scripture from 1 Corinthians, from chapter 12, verses four through seven. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The work that God has given us to do and the spiritual gifts in which God presents us as much like Grandpa's toolbox. God has given us equally the ability to use and utilize all the tools available to us. And because each of us is so special, so individually created, that sometimes that we find that we have specialized proficiencies in certain gifts or tools. Jesus extends the invitation to come follow me. We are asked to trust that our gifts, talents, and interests may be used by God for the ministry that is before us. We are not harassed first to learn more or begin, a, begin fresh in order to be noticed by Jesus, but rather to hear the Spirit's call and come just as we are. So this invitation, we are encouraged to place our confidence in our God, who is able to work through our hearts and our open hands that are offered to the church community and to our world. If we have doubts about our abilities or qualifications, we can be encouraged by the countless biblical stories that remind us that God always chooses and uses the least of these. I think we've heard it said that God doesn't always call the equipped, but God will equip the call. Faithful Christian practices encourage a communal awareness that God calls, nurtures, and blesses the use of our gifts to strengthen God's work in the world. Our understanding of this partnership with God is always emerging. Traditional gifts such as preaching, hospitality, music, 
and caring may be demonstrated in many ways recognizable since ancient church days. Christian tradition may also be informed and evolve to include modern forms of expression, such as use of social media, video, legislative advocacy, and many more in our day and time. No matter the era or tradition, gifts of ministry are grounded in a desire for ministry with and on behalf of Christ. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. Loving God and loving neighbor come together in the context of our lives and the mission opportunities that we have before us. Through the power of God's Spirit, individuals are equipped to do the work of God for the people of God. Community, defined in a variety of ways, school, work, teams, sports, neighborhood, church, offers the place where the sharing of gifts can take within the everydayness of our lives. It is within this everydayness that our gifts of ministry can be explored, discovered, and offered. Only then to begin the cycle again as we move throughout the lives, the journeys, and the season of our lives. Today, for many faith traditions, it's known as the Feast of the Transfiguration. So I'd like to share with you the scripture that tells about this story. Luke 9, verses 28 through 36. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking with him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Go ahead and change to the next slide. 
I'd like to share with you parts of today's newsletter, The Cottage, by, Dan, by Diana Butler Bass, speaking of this, this scripture. Some Christians believe that today's gospel story records a literal miracle of Moses and Elijah meeting Jesus on the mountain. I don't know about miracles, she says. We historians can be skeptical, skeptical about evidence when it comes to miracles, but I do recognize it as something else. This episode sounds like thousands of stories from native religions or a transcript of a contemporary psychedelic therapy session. This gospel passage relates a mystical experience that was shared by Jesus and his closest followers. It includes all the requisite elements of such. Prayer, the mountain, dazzling light, altered reality, hearing sacred voices, and clouds. The transcendent of this passage isn't the appearance of Moses and Elijah. The prophets are the prelude to the real point of the story. The climax is in the clouds. While he was saying this, the cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. They were terrified as they entered the cloud. I'm sure we can all relate. Clouds are scary. There are, of course, different kinds of clouds. If you've ever lived by the shore, you experienced clouds as fog, embracing, protecting, silent fog. Carl Sandburg's cloudy little cat feet is, is an enigmatic presence. It sits looking over harbor and city on silent haunches and then moves on, she quotes. Or if you live in the hills, you know the cloud wisps that cling to a mountain at night or in the morning, the, so the sort of thickened mist that beg you to stay inside by the fire rather than venture out on uncertain roads. They were terrified as they entered the cloud. That's a stunning line if you think about it, written by someone who never took off in a storm, never descended through rough clouds. It is a metaphor for some experience of God from the ground. Certainly the author had known violent thunderstorms and desert hubbubs, but to describe the divine presence as a cloud, a terrifying obscurity, a kind of blindness, speaks as much to our contemporary experience as it did these ancient fears. The transfiguration is about, isn't about celebrating glory, it is about encountering God in the turbulence. You won't hear God, you can't know the presence in temples that commemorate sparkly miracles. Rather, the voice speaks in the midst of tumult, and its directive is odd, not come and see, a phrase often repeated in the Gospels, but is instead, listen. Yes, this is a mystical experience of the sensory, sensory perception of hearing. 
and it also oddly true in its description of life, our ordinary reality these days, and compelling in its practicality. Because the best mystical experiences speak to the living, speak to living with faith in the world, everyone comes off the mountain, carrying only the memory of what was learned. The news right now is a bit like staring out the window of a plane in St. Louis as she tells about her embarkment off from St. Louis in a quite terrifying storm cloud. Or being glued to a weather app while speeding down the runway. There are storms in every direction, and we're going right into the clouds. There's no way out but through, and it may be terrifying. But what if that's where God is? In the turbulence, the instability, the wild windy currents, longing for miracles, and building lovely temples on a scenic hillside might be the delusion of our days. Too much of politics caters to our craving miracles. Faith is too often about some magical safe place. Promising miracles is little more than planting seeds of cynicism. You may win an election or grow a church, but I promise the fruit will be rotten. Learning to navigate amid the storm is what is needed. Don't cling to what dazzles all those glittery images. On this Transfiguration Sunday, God comes in the clouds. Listen. The time in which stepping up to do the work of God, stepping up to do the work that God has called us to do, and having the boldness to pick up the spiritual gifts God has given us is most likely not going to happen when the shores are calm. It's most likely to be needed the most when we are terrified as we enter the clouds. Today, God is doing a new thing. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? We are not what we once were. We adapt and change along with the shifting circumstances we experience. Gifts of ministry develop throughout the duration of our lives. Our gifts are revealed, acquired, and developed as we encounter the present and lead toward expanding hope for the future. When we engage our gifts of ministry, we join with God in making that hope reality. And we become the people God calls us to be. Who is God calling you to be today? What new gifts does God want to open up before you? Is God calling you right now to be an apostle, an evangelist, a teacher? Is God encouraging your boldness to be a pastor or a prophet? 
there is work to be done, family. And I encourage you to step in and step up. Amen. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-971. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.